Welcome to She's a 10 times 5. You got it. That's the big 5-0. Listen along as we try to figure out our what's next as we venture into this new age of reinvention. Through relatable topics, real-life stories, and inspiring guests, join us on our journey of growth and laughter. Hey, I'm Lori, former Army Airborne Captain, but don't let that fool you. I'm the loose cannon. And I'm Lisa, a girl's girl who loves sugar, but watch out for that spice. Let's do this. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome to She's a 10 Times 5. We are in Studio 50 today. Woohoo! Woo. We even have our dogs in studio today. We've got the pooches. We... We've had a long day so far, and I just kind of feel bad keeping them in the kennel. Yeah. So, so they're chilling on the bean bags, they and make uh, a couple grunts and groans once in a while. So, if you hear that, it's them. Not it's us. not our stomach, or <laughs> but or, Ron, or Ronnie, if you're listening, it's not our instrument. No. <laughs> it's not our musical <laughs> instrument. Yeah. No. So, Ronnie Louisa, one yes. of our favorite guests. Yes. All right. So, Rob Lowe. Okay. Have you heard from Because I, I, I already knew you were going to ask me. Yeah, I've been wanting to uh, know. Was on the t- um, I have not. And should should we tell people what you've been getting from people? Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> and it, it, so this might be the reason why is I had a couple of friends that, you know, maybe thought I pushed the ends of the envelope and I might have come across as a Rob Lowe stalker. <laughs> and... That is not the case. No, it's not. And just to clarify, yes, uh, I did run into him. No, I didn't tackle him for a photo. He was very magnanimous. Two, I didn't create a pillow. No, my it was girlfriend a gift. gave it to me. Mm-hmm. I don't sleep with it every night. No, and it's sitting in here. It's in sitting Studio in 50. It's sitting in Studio Fifty, staring at us, and have a sense of humor, people. But. Yeah. I think the bigger issue with Rob is not the fact that he's worried about us stalking him, although we did have a girls movie night and we watched about last night. I think we need to come back in a few. Yeah, we need to give it a little time to I, breathe. A little mm-hmm. time to breathe. And I think we need a better question. Maybe yeah. maybe ours was a, too much of a soft toss. Yeah, I wasn't. Because we did that off the cuff. Like we didn't prepare for that. No. It was like, no. oh my God, let's just do this right now. Anyway. Yes, I agree. So, but we did, it did inspire us to watch about last night. Okay, that was, so, I loved that movie when I was, you know, it was 1986 that movie came out and that was my senior year. Was that 86? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I looked I it up. It, I thought it was 89. Oh, 86. I looked okay. it up because remember we had to figure out how old they were. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because so. he definitely looked younger than oh, her. Oh, my God. Oh, but man, their sex scenes. That was pretty salacious Ooh, for back then, right? It was salacious. And, the, and they and did the, it all the time. Yeah, they were. That was. They, they were, were sheet weasels. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're, uh, that's all they did. They did. They had good sex. But that was the whole point. We had They had good sex, but they, they didn't had, have a relationship. But They didn't have intimacy. They didn't have intimacy. And they. And she didn't have a boob job yet. No. She had her little niblets. But <laughs> so if you want to go back and see what it was like beforehand. Yeah. The before is about a lot because you see them almost in every scene. Yeah. She's, no, she's, she's, she's wearing she's wearing paper plates almost. Oh, she's my going, God. <laughs> I recognize the bra she was wearing. I was like, I think I had that bra. The little she clip was adorable. in the middle. She was adorable. And he was almost borderline pretty. Like, no, he was pretty. He was pretty, like, but almost, almost like feminine. Yeah. He almost looked like a girl almost and, and in a good way. It was just he was so tiny. I yeah. didn't realize how small he was. Like, yeah, yeah, it was so cute. That's cute. Loved it. So you guys, if and you're if you're she's times she, 
She's a 10 times yeah, five. Keep drinking. Uh, that is a great one to circle back on. And one last thing about it. Yeah. It was so fun. We were all sitting there watching going, oh my God, our Reebok shoes. Oh my God. Look at the whatever in the back behind them. We had one of those. There was so much nostalgia. nostalgia. Yeah. So much nostalgia. Yeah. Those Reebok. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> we all had them. Yes, we, we did. Them. Okay. We are in for a treat today. And so we are almost through January of 2022. I, I can't believe how time has flown. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that Lisa and I have set out to do is because we reflected on last year. Mm-hmm. And one of the magical things that has come out of our first year is just the epiphany and realization that so many women of our genre and generation mm-hmm. have really cool stories to tell. And so that's been that's been a secret gift. I love that. Yeah. So one of the things that we thought we would do is we have kind of dabbled in our pasts mm-hmm. on way, way early, early, way early it's on. Like our third episode or something. Is you know, tell a little about us and then talk about something that's really important to us. And we're we're starting with Lisa today. And the reason we're starting with Lisa is the one thing that we have both said has resonated with us and on a very important level, and I think comes through in our podcast, is mm-hmm. this concept of sisterhood. Yeah. And it's kind of an overplayed word, but we're going to deep dive into that. And we're teeing off with Lisa. Uh, she's going to go a little bit into her story, but she's going to then parlay that into her evolution of sisterhood, which is very, very different than mine. Mm-hmm. You know, you're kind of all in the girls' world, and I've been almost exclusively in the boys' world, mm-hmm. and and it's definitely shaped a different kind of evolution of sisterhood. Absolutely. But here we are at the table, asshole. Yes, okay. I know. So why don't we start with, you know, g- give people that don't otherwise know a flyby on who you are and how you got to where you are. Okay. Well, I was just a girl. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had an I older brother. I think I have a but... sound effect for that. <laughs> I was just a girl. That's it. Um, but no, I I had a very normal upbringing. It was very um, middle America, out in like a suburb, almost borderline kind of country area at the time. The little town next to us had a rodeo, and. It was just very normal middle America upbringing. My parents both worked, so I was a latchkey kid. And for those of you who don't know what that is, that's just a kid who had to let themselves in after school and were home alone. And I do always say that that was a very formative piece of my life because it definitely affected how I parented uh, and how I wanted to be a parent uh, because... I was, I would say I had a beautiful upbringing. I felt incredibly loved, amazing parents, but they had to work. And as many of my generation did. Yeah, mine too. And we didn't have nannies and all of that. So it's, you know, second grade, I'm letting myself in. I had to open the wooden door garage, I'd like lift it up. And then I'd go get the key out of the, the butter dish in the garage fridge. And then I let myself in. And then I had to wait for my brother to get home. So I was home alone. I was always very afraid. Every noise I was convinced was a bad guy coming in to get me. And so I'd hide or I'd take naps. And then when I got a little bit older, I would go out and play with the, you know, kids on our street and 
and it just it just formed a very independent child, a very precocious, uh, maybe a little precocious. Yep, because when you're bored, you get in the stuff, and you don't have any around anybody around. Like your to... your neighbor's babysitter's cigarette. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. She she'd take was, the was it marble lights or what? I what have no idea what it was, oh. but everybody smoked back then, and at least where I came from, and. And literally, she would be, she would have the baby at the baby's, this, my aunt, it was actually my aunt's babysitter. She would take my cousin around in the stroller. It was like a loop. And when she would go on the other side of the wall, I'd take puffs off her cigarette because I could, because why not? There was nothing else to do. I was bored, bored. Yeah. I didn't have anybody to take. I did play softball. I had one activity. I did like activities that you could do at school, like Girl Scouts and things like that were the only things that kept me from not having to go home by myself until later. And then my brother was home by then. So, but yeah. Did did you have a good relationship with your brother? I did. We were very close. He was a big brother, but he was all, you know, he, you know, would give me Charlie horses and like, be roughhouse with me. But at the same time, he was my biggest protector too. Uh, he was incredibly different than me. We were, he was the oldest and a rebel and I was the youngest. And I would almost say that I was more the firstborn than he was. And I was the baby. Um, we just had different approaches. He was fun time Charlie. He liked to have a good time. He hated school. I was good at school. I didn't have good work habits or study habits because I would I was home by myself. And it was much more fun to go out and play than do homework. And no one was there to tell me to do it otherwise. So from that, I didn't create good habits. But overall, I liked school. Or he didn't. Yeah, I latchkey kid too. And my brother was three years older. Mm -hmm. And he was kind of the fuck up. Mm. Uh, but mm -hmm. but by choice. Yeah, I know. No, like 100%. He, he, but I think, you know, there was a side of me that was very high functioning because I knew that if I was a fuck up, then mm -hmm. I, I think my parents would have zipped into orbit. Yep. Like I was going to be like, I'm going to be the good one. Uh, same. And I... Ugh. They can't take any more of this, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. So my little taking a puffs off cigarettes or digging in the cupboards to see, you know, I'm home alone. I'm, you know, stumbling across adult content or things like that. Those were just me being bored, but they weren't me being, I was never a rebel. I yeah. was a total rule follower, total pleaser. Okay. So you get to high school and you meet the love of your life. I did. I did. I did. I had two boyfriends before him that I think helped shape me in a way of what I didn't want. They were very possessive, both of them. Um, both of them passed away. Rest in peace to both of them. I learned a lot about myself. It was not about them. It was about me. And I think those are such key relationships when you're in high school to really learn about yourself, what you'll put up with, what you won't put up with. I think kids really learn a lot in those little relationships that we just think are silly little teenage relationships. And then... Right as I was getting ready to graduate, right before graduation, I discovered Sean. He was a year younger than me. We went to my prom together unexpectedly. I broke up with the, the boyfriend and took Sean. And our chemistry from the minute I just, someone pointed him out, he liked me. And I was just, I think because I had this very big personality boyfriend that everyone knew, he was, he was graduated already. I thought, oh my gosh, someone is actually likes me and is willing to go out and say it when I have this boyfriend that everyone knows and whatever. And so I loved that. 
I love that his confidence and his, you know, and so then we started immediately flirting and I was done with the other boyfriend and laser focused on Sean and never took my focus off. I mean, our chemistry, red hot fireworks immediately. And it's always been the way that's been our, it's been our thing. Yeah, it has been your thing. <laughs> Trust me, we went on one of our friend's boats, you know. Uh, we are not gross PDA people, though. Well, no, no. You, were, but you, pe- were having, you were having fun. You, you gave him a little lap dance, but I could tell the chemistry. <laughs> what? What? what is there's, there's something wrong with no, that? We were all dancing. Yeah, okay. But <laughs> yours was a little you bit. You can just tell our chemistry. You can tell our chemistry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, and and maybe I exaggerated. Well. Yeah. <laughs> people who know us well know that, yeah, that we are, yeah, have yeah. good chemistry. Yeah. yeah. All right. So what I want to deep dive into is, you know, you've kind of given us the little bit of the flyby. And so, yeah. Okay. And you grew up with a really special environment. And let's let's tackle that. Yeah. Because I think that kind of has defined how you have become the self-proclaimed girl's girl. Mm-hmm. And why you kind of, why this podcasting shit is so great. Yeah. Okay. So let's go there because you you have a really, if you guys have seen Steel Magnolias, you'll get her story, but you have a really wonderfully charming thing to tell. Well, thank you. I did have a very, very charming upbringing in that regard. As lonely as I was, I, I, I wanted to be at my mom's work all the time because I just saw these women. So my mom... To back up, my mom, she was a hairdresser and her and my aunt and they're best friends to this day. I mean, I take those girls. They are the best wing women. I can go anywhere with them and the room is on them. They're so fun. And they are screaming sisterhood and everything women want to be is is these two women. They're so fun. So I grew up watching them and they started, they had like three salons. My mom had three salons with my dad and my aunt was the people person. My mom was more of the quiet strength leader and my aunt was the more vivacious outward one. And so she would, she would ran, run the shop. And here I was, this little girl, and I wanted to be there every day if I could be there. I, I just craved being there because it just felt like this place of magic. People are getting their hair done and their nails done and they're laughing and they're crying and they're sharing. And it, it just felt right. And my mom didn't want me there a lot when I was little because she felt that was inappropriate and that I would hear things. And, and she wanted the clients to be able to be themselves and not have to temper for a child. So I only got to be there once in a while. But um then as I got older, then I ended up working in the salon and, and it was my job and I would work behind the desk and and the exposure and watching these women. And I'm not just talking about the women that worked there. I'm talking about the women who came in there because that was a time when women would, first of all, you didn't get your toes done in this environment. It was Nails, 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 and hair, hair, hair. And um, people didn't get their toes done back then. They, uh, it wasn't. It's not like today. Yes, they did, but it was a it was a very high end luxury thing to get a pedicure. Gotcha. And you would go to a nice spa for that, and it just wasn't something that was in people's normal routine. It was more. It was just a high end thing. But the other reason was because my parents were kind of a little ahead of their time. I'm so proud of them. But they had created, you didn't sit at a little table by yourself. You sat. I mean, like you go to a salon today and you get everything down in one chair. 
Well, that's not how it was back then. And my parents had created this bar. It was like, it, it was a bar. You sat in bar stools. And so it was like you were belling up to the bar, to your person on the other side, your manicurist. And you had an hour and you were with the people next to you that were getting their nails done. And then across from them were their stylists and things. And so this camaraderie happened. And every Friday at 9 a.m., you'd Tuesday at 2 p.m., you'd have your same people at those seats. And they looked forward to seeing each other. They became friends. And they weren't from the same communities. They weren't from the same high schools or their kids went to different schools and different neighborhoods. But that was their one community. And they were friends from the salon. And I watched this. I watched all these women from different areas become best friends, help each other through cancer, help each other through divorce, share what's best for your kid. What's Oh, God, it would drive me crazy. My mom would go, oh, Sally was in the other day. You are not going to see that movie because she told me all about it. And I'd be like, oh, Sally. But I thanks, mean, Sally. thanks, Sally. But I had so many aunties. I mean, all those women felt like I was one of theirs. Right. And vice versa. I knew all their kids just from the years of talking and growing up. And they would come in with their moms sometimes. And it just was magical. It really was. And the, watching these women support each other, comfort each other, laugh together. The laughter was nonstop nonstop and talking. They just talk, 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 talk. And then, oh yeah, by the way, you're getting your nails done. You're getting your hair done. All of that was in the background to me. Yeah. And it was all soaking in by the way, because like I have a salon in my house, like I can do, you know, highlighting and I don't even have my license for that. And I just would do it because I watched it my whole life. And so I have three girls and I do all their hair. I do their eyebrows. I do it all because I just grew up in a salon and I learned how to do it all. But back to the laughter was really what draw every, drew everyone there. It was just a special place. I love it. You have three girls. Yeah, I have three girls. You're the self-proclaimed girls girl, and now you have three girls. Mm-hmm. And do you feel you're like within your own home, that sisterhood, to some degree? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, and, th- and that's the other thing, you know, as woman-centric as I grew up in the cent, uh, you know, the community I grew up in, those were still women from a generation that there were certain things you still didn't open up about and you didn't talk to your daughters about um, because they weren't raised talking comfortably about sex or what you should and shouldn't do or birth control and all of those things and or even just boyfriend girlfriend kind of stuff. And so from that, I learned, okay, I don't want to be like that generation. I want to, I want my girls to be able to talk to me. I want them to feel I'm a safe zone. I want them to feel that if they say they like a boy, I'm not going to embarrass them or I'm not going to shame them for like, you know, liking a boy because you're not old enough and you shouldn't, you know, it's just that generation just didn't do well with that. And I wanted to be the opposite of that. And I thought, perfect. I have these three girls and it started early. I was just very, very open with them. I mean, there's also personality, you know, all three of my girls talk to me at different levels of comfortableness because of their personalities, but they know that I am 100%, no matter what I say, you get in trouble. You don't know what to do. You don't, I'm the person you come to. You will not be shamed. You will not be whatever. And that was just because I didn't always feel that way when I was a kid. And that is a generational thing. Nothing against my parents that they did the best they could. But I think anyone listening that's from our generation, a lot of them will ha- can relate to that. 
You know, it was a hard time for our parents. They didn't know how to open up about those topics. No, I would agree. Yeah, I think it's that. And I think you said there's this shame factor that goes Mm -hmm. with stuff Mm -hmm. that they learned from their previous generation where, you know, if you were to talk about stuff that may mean, you know, stuff and, Mm -hmm. you know, we're not, you know, so. Yeah. Thank God they taught sex ed. And- oh, yeah. I had to figure it all out myself. And I I feel bad saying that because I, I, I never really honestly gave my mom a chance. I never did go to her. But there was a reason. I must have, I didn't feel I could. And I feel bad even saying that because I love my mom and we are so close. It just wasn't comfortable for her. And I respect that. And as a grown woman, I can see that that just wasn't something. Her parents were completely not there. So she didn't learn it at all. So I, I don't ever blame her for it. And it made me a stronger person. It made me figure shit out for myself. Yeah. And that's okay. So I'd be curious, the generation you're dealing with with your daughters, do you think, because we've talked about this, we talked about it today on our go live with with mm-hmm. sweet Ellen Albertson, Dr. Yeah. Albertson, uh, the midlife whisperer, and this concept of sisterhood. And we are very passionate about it because I think we we didn't feel that earlier in life. Mm -hmm. And so we've kind of gained this growing momentum where now we really have embraced shoulder to shoulder, locking arms, helping one another, building each other up, straightening Mm -hmm. the crown, whatever Mm -hmm. adages you want to use. Do you feel like your girls are getting that gospel earlier, that their generation is more enlightened with the importance of girlfriends? and Or do you really think that we learn to appreciate it later as we... I'd love to hear your thoughts because you learned it early and now you're experiencing it. Mm -hmm. I think, well, I think my girl specifically learned it from me because, and I used to say the biggest compliment I could ever receive was when people would tell me, your girls are so sweet to each other. I saw your sister, you know, I, they, they would share with me something they witnessed one of my girls taking care of her sister or saying something complimentary about her and it would get back to me and I would tell them, girls, that is my biggest compliment is to hear how loving you are to each other because I refuse to raise com- competitive sisters. You all have your strengths. You all are going to excel in your own ways. I will never compare you. You are all so very different. And I try to raise them to celebrate each other's positives. And they are actually very good at that. I mean, they will say this one is I don't know how they can say she's the most beautiful. She's the most confident. She's the most this. And they they all agree on what their all their strengths are and they celebrate them. And so as a mom, I feel that I've I'm there. Like that is all I could ask for is that they love each other. And you feel like you learn that through and your childhood yeah, experience. That's awesome. But and and then to answer your question, I do think that they, I mean, my girls have a all three of them have a strong center of girls around them. They have a, a squad or a group and they're first. When they come home, maybe it's because they don't have boyfriends. I don't know. But they are literally can't wait to see their girlfriends. They are girls' girls. They really, really are. And I think they do see from the women around them that I've surrounded myself with the value of friendships and sisterhood. Um, and I hope that their generation, I don't, I can't say across everyone. I can just speak for my own girls. I've seen it with them and their friends. So hopefully that's so. really refreshing. Cause I think as a mom that doesn't have daughters, mm-hmm. 
I mean, I have my stepdaughter, Mm -hmm. but she's, you know, grown and has her own kid. I would have thought the otherwise, because I think the the picture that gets painted for a lot of us is girls are very cruel and mean to one another. Oh, they can be for sure. Yeah. Okay. No, that is 100% there. Um, And it's usually jealousy. It's usually driven by some competitive jealous situation because I don't believe most kids are inherently just awful. I think that there's some kind of, you know, even though they say bullies, there's a reason they're fulfilling something they're lacking. So I do think that ultimately I was worried about it for a long time when I my kids were young. I thought, oh, my gosh, you'd hear all these awful situations. But thankfully, it has not been something that I've seen prevalent across my community. I mean, onesie twos, you see it, but Mm -hmm. not by and large. So flash forward. So we're we're doing this podcast now and Mm -hmm. we're, what's your goal for now that we're seeing what some of the possibilities are as we can bring people on to tell their stories, people that we bring on can inspire other women. What's your goal for us going forward with regards to taking the element of sisterhood even further and Mm -hmm. setting an example for your girls as well. This podcast is definitely an outlet for me to, well, to take it back one second. I, I always wondered if my girls, I didn't give them a good role model in the sense that I didn't stay working. I didn't, I wasn't this powerhouse mom that was out like having a career and then coming home to them and doing all that. And I chose that. That's why I didn't want that. But then and as I got older and they got older, I thought, did I set a good example for them on working and, and doing all those things? And I really, really worried about it. And I, I asked, I straight up asked them, would you rather me done this or that? And they were like, no, mom, you did. And they, they told me what they were very happy with the fact that I was around and all of those things and the things I gave up to be with them. I do think that I always was looking for a way to set an example that, okay, I'm not working, but I am doing this. And I want to show you what a what a, an, a mom who gets things done or sets a good example does when they're not working. So that was always in the forefront of my mind. And this podcast is just an extension of that because now that they're mostly gone, I didn't. I'm not room mom anymore. I'm not doing all that, and I am working. I've been working for the last. I don't know, eight years now, but I think it's good for them to see me doing something I'm enjoying that's revolving, continuing to revolve around women and what I grew up with in a bigger scale. And they they tell me they're really proud of me and they're happy that I'm fulfilling that piece of what it is I'm trying to get. Yeah, I agree. I And although I have boys, it's the same thing. I think, you know, there's something really special about seeing your mom setting an example by putting themselves out there yeah. and maybe taking a little flack along the way because we do. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we've gotten, we get great feedback on the podcast and, and we, you know, we, every once in a while we'll get some zingers too. And that's, mm-hmm. that's all part of the process. Yeah. But it, what's really great, Lisa, is that you get to do this and they, and even off at college, they, they can hear you. Right. Right? I know. I can know. see what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. It was funny today. Uh, we did our live and it was the most adorable thing is you can see who kind of pops up yes. and joins the live program. <laughs> and there's Connor Jabbar. And yeah. He's like, hey, guys, what's up? <laughs> I love that they take time to just tap into our world for a second, appreciate what we're doing. I loved that. I'm yeah. happy. Yeah. And and really quickly, just to, I don't really feel like I nailed your question and you were asking what my goal is in, in this podcast. I, my, I think our goal is to 
create how I grew up, that community where women can talk and comfort each other and learn from each other and laugh together. And I really think that when we created this, we knew we were in this age where women are kind of struggling to find themselves again. And this is like a safe place to land. We're all experiencing those uncertainties and trying to find new exciting things and find our next, what's next. And that's what what my goal is to continue to push the envelope and talk about things and open up more and be more vulnerable and share stories of women who've just like, oh my gosh, that happened or wow, that's amazing. And never, I haven't ever thought of that. Those aha moments. That's, yeah. That's my goal. You nailed it. And I think that's exactly kind of what I would toggle down to as well. I'm going to add one more thing that's really cool that I want to see more of Mm -hmm. is we are at a phase where now's the time to take risks. Mm -hmm. If you can, not all of us can, but now's the time that maybe trying a new new thing because either you have the time or you're just ready and getting that support. And one thing that I have gotten such a thrill about is the network we're creating. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're we had a guest earlier that we recorded with that had, unbeknownst to us, read the book of another guest and got a lot of value out of it. I, I set up one of our previous guests with another guest that's helping her with financial planning. Mm-hmm. People are leveraging one another. It, so that is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. So if we yes. can continue to help women network and get support for one another, um, I think that's beautiful. I do too. Okay. I'm, I got two hard questions for you. Oh, and then okay. we're going to go in a light. Yes, I did do a lightning round. Oh, mm-hmm. I get a lightning round. Okay. Looking back, what was the defining moment or uh, is there something that you can reflect upon that you would say that was either my aha moment, your worst regret, or something that made you change directions completely? Oh, for sure. Definitely the decision to stay at home, be a stay at home. I always kind of wanted to, and it was very much a wave during, you know, our young mother years. That was like kind of So that was like the wave of what moms were doing. But yet at the same time, Sean and I weren't really sure, like, do we do that? Do we not do that? And we always knew we wouldn't do it until I had a couple of babies because my mom and dad were in town and they could help us with our kids and I could work until I, so that was the plan. And I was kind of done with my career there. I didn't want to do, I really, 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 really wanted to go into training, corporate training at Hershey Chocolate and did I say that I work for Hershey Chocolate? Did we talk about that? Well, now we know. Okay. My, if we didn't, she did. I did. I worked <laughs> for Hershey Chocolate and it was pretty awesome. I'm not going to lie. I had candy everywhere. People would come over and I'd send them home with candy and just... All her friends weighed 200 pounds. <laughs> and I just, um, it was just a fun, amazing part of Americana history that company is and just a fun job. And it was my first big job. Um, and it was started in sales and then I was a manager and then I just, I did a lot. I learned so much about myself as a young woman. And I, I really, really wanted to go into training and I knew that was going to be my next step and that would keep me working. That was really what I wanted to do. And then I got the position to train our whole Los Angeles region, uh, which included everything basically from middle of California down to the border on our new software we had coming rolling out for our sales teams. And I was going to be the trainer for Southern California. I had to go train. And so I 
was ready to go train. And that was going to take me out of sales completely and into the whole training department. And I was so excited. That was where I was going for the next five years of my mind. And that was not what was planned for me because what happened was I was pregnant and I knew I was pregnant and I was out of town and I was leaving. I was in Las Vegas and I was leaving from Las Vegas to Chicago to go learn the program that I was going to train and start my training career there. I started miscarrying right in the airport, like severe, like bent over cramps, hemorrhaging, like it just came out out of nowhere. And my luggage was already on the flight. I was like, what, what, what's, you know, and I had to call a colleague because I'm in, I'm out of town at this point. And he came and got me, took me to the hospital and yeah, I lost the baby and I and, lost. And this would have been baby number two? No, it was baby number one. Number one. Yeah, it was my first one. And so I was devastated, but I also lost my opportunity to be the trainer because they had to immediately replace me because they were only having one training time for all of the trainers. And so I was immediately replaced because I couldn't, I mean, I had to fly home still and deal with everything. I I didn't even get a DNC until I went home. Like the doctor was like, I'm going to get you stable. And then I want you on a plane to go home. And then your doctor's going to take care of you at home. And he did. And that happened. And I didn't have any problems. But amazingly, he was able to get me stable. But uh, my career then, the one thing I was so, which would have kept me working, I lost it. So I lost two things that day. And that was devastating to me. And then I had to step back and go, okay, what does that mean? And then I realized, okay, it just means that now I know I'm going to be a stay-at-home mom because I'm I'm not really loving what I'm doing anymore. And I'm just going to finish it out until I'm ready to not work anymore. And that's what I did. We had two, we, we had Landis. And then um, when I was pregnant with Sheridan, I gave my notice and I said, okay, I'm ready to be, I wanted to have her and never go back. And that's what I did. And I walked away from the career world in 2002 and I never looked back until, you know, they were much older. And I just totally immersed in being a mom, being that room mom, being everything for my kids and being around them. I mean, you could, I mean, I don't think I was a helicopter mom. I was very involved, but I'd like to say I gave them some space. I probably was a little bit helicopter in the beginning, but it wasn't too crazy. But yeah, I loved it. I'll never regret it. I'm so happy I did that. It was hard. So are your girls. Thank you. It was very hard to go back to work though, I will say. Because, yeah, once you leave, it's really hard to reenter, mm-hmm. right? Oh my gosh, so hard. And yeah. so much had changed in those 2000s, you know. Yeah, technology, technology changed everything. And yeah, just the connectivity. I mean, you didn't work remotely ever. I mean, we barely were just getting laptops at Hershey, but it was very, it was nothing like it is today. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it was a different time. Yeah. So. So that definitely changed the course of my life. Yeah. Those are two big things. Two big things all at one time. Yeah. Okay. Last profound question before we have a little fun. Okay. What do you want your girls 
to remember about you when they think of you or, or other girls or listeners? Like, what is your message to young women and mm. your peer group of women? And mm-hmm. what do you want them to think of when they think of you as a woman? I would want them to remember me or think of me as somebody who... Somebody who lived my life very honestly and authentically. I am very much an open book when it comes to who I am and how I feel. I'm private about a lot of things, but by and large, you know how I, how I'm feeling. Day, you know, if you if you know me, I'm just very open, very honest. I believe in living authentically, and that hasn't always been easy for me. I mean, I was still the little girl from the country town and moving into um, different demographics and feeling like I didn't really belong because maybe I didn't make as much money or whatever, or what I thought that those neighborhoods were. And then I get there and I realize they're just normal people like me and they still buy their clothes at Target and their kids clothes (laughs) at Target. I remember moving and thinking this new neighborhood we were moving into, these people were going to be like, no, I I just wasn't going to fit in. And I realized it was just all my own insecurities. And I just was myself. And just be yourself and be honest and warm and kind. That's the one thing I always tell my girls. Be kind. It doesn't cost anything to smile and share a smile with somebody. You don't have to know them. But just be kind and warm and generous and authentic. And that's try how I try to live my life. I'm not always perfect at it. Well, you're not I, always kind. I can I can be a little, <laughs> little snarky once in a while. Not no, snarky. She's very kind. I can be a little I can you get, did, uh, I can You are you are extraordinarily kind, but you're feisty at times. I can and be that, feisty. That's, that's the word I was looking for. Uh, that's why we love you. Thank you. Otherwise you'd thank you. You'd just be flatlined. Mm-hmm. No, I'm just gonna flatline. And then like I can get really fiery. But then it goes away. But yeah. But, you know, I'm real. <laughs> you are very real and you hit all of those marks. And I'm sure that's exactly. And, and I love that's the example you set for your girls. You did good. Thank you. Thank you, you did good, Mom. I know you I know you were uncomfortable with this mm-hmm. one because you didn't really want to talk about yourself so much. But we got to walk the talk. Yeah, and I, we do. And I think you took a, a good story. And I, I love your take on sisterhood and what we're going to do here because I think that has been the. Mm-hmm. The rule of the roost here. Well, I definitely learned the gift of gab in the salon. <laughs> yes, you did. Okay, you want to have a little fun? Yeah, let's I'm, do I'm it. going to put you in the hot seat. I would tell okay. people where they could find you. But they know, they, hopefully they know to find me at She's yeah. a 10 times 5. At she's a 10 times 5. Yeah. Okay. All right. We are in. So this is fun because Lisa always gets to be my cohort in these things. And today she's my victim. I know. I get to laugh on the side now. I'm going to be like, oh, no. Okay, these are easy. Okay. Guilty pleasure you're willing to admit. I'm willing to admit. I I love fast food. Yeah. That's, I mean, you know, where we live, it's like everyone's super healthy. And (laughs) like, you know, organic and vegan and healthy. And I would love to just sit down with a Taco Bell and a Jack in the Box are my two favorite fast foods. Really? With a little Big Mac mixed in. I know. I was hoping Jamie was bringing Big Macs, quite honestly. Oh, I love a Big Mac. So yeah, I love, I love junk food and, and sweets. Yeah. Yeah. We always have candy somewhere. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. not today. I don't know where the candy I is. I don't know. I forgot. I have to bring some candy. Okay. 
If you could only eat one food, I think you just answered it. Would it be fast food? Mm, probably candy. Okay. What well, do we have a special? Um, well, I do love a milk dud and a, a hot tamale mixed together. Oh, that's right. And my girlfriends do have a funny story about that. Should I tell? Okay, I have to tell it. Yeah, tell so it. So one night, Sean and I were out and we were out with friends partying and we get home and I or three sheets to the wind. And I am just like, I'm going to just wow him tonight. And I go in <laughs> and I put on a, this nighty, this Betsy Johnson pink number. And I come in the kitchen to get some candy before I go to bed, I guess, because that's what I guess I do when I'm drunk. And I get my hot tamales and my milk duds. And that's all I remember. And then I woke up on the couch in in my nighty with Milk duds and a hot tamale stuck to me. Like I, they well, maybe melted. Maybe you did have that night. No, it, they melted, and I had them in my hand. Oh, geez. and I had them stuck on my nighty because, and yeah, I passed out before I ever got to the oh, grand boy. finale. Thank that... God the kids were out of town. But I come walking in. And he's like, "What happened to you?" I go, "Well, what happened to me didn't happen to you." <laughs> <laughs> that is the case. Oh God, that's so a that's, good story. Yeah. I, I wish I wish there was someone there to take photos. Oh, I know. So every time we're at on girls trip, my buddy Eileen brings me hot tamales and and milk, and duds. milk duds just as a yeah. But I do love a um, a starburst and I love chocolate. Yeah, but, well, uh, you Hershey girl, but I mm-hmm. like chocolate. Do you hear voices too? Only my own. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Constantly. Are they a? Uh, is it a she or a her or a they or a them? I hear multiple voices. So Do you? I, I go they and them. Okay. Uh, she is like constantly talking to herself up okay. there and, right. and sometimes out loud. And then my kids are like. Quieter down. Really? Yeah. What did she have to say? Yeah. <laughs> a lot. A lot. Okay. What is your favorite smell? Oh, I love. I love floral. I love um, warm, something warm, but not sweet, like not vanilla. I don't like that. I don't like. What about gardenia? Too gardenia, sweet? plumeria. Plumeria. Plumeria is pretty. What's your go-to uh, cologne? I I do love um, Allure by. Oh, yeah, um, that's nice. Yeah. But that's my like winter, mm-hmm. nighttime going out. And then my daytime. Here we go, girls. Going back to my roots. Jean Nate. No. Avon. <laughs> Avon. Yeah, it's still around. Uh-huh. And it was this fray. I mean, I do need to move on probably. I've been wearing it for a million years, but I always get so many compliments Skin on it. It's rare pearls. And it's Avon. Oh. Wow. Yeah, I'm not too proud to say that. Uh, I <laughs> I remember someone going, Really? Oh, I didn't know that still existed. And I go, It does. And my sister in law sold it. And I bought it from her, and now I just ordered online. It's really great. You should try it. I didn't even know Avon still existed. Mm-hmm. It does. I don't have an Avon girl or anything. Okay. Avon. Yeah. But it's do just you know that, that sense. Do you know that when it. people used to ask me when I was, I think I was under the age of six, um, what I wanted to be when I grew up? Remember people used to ask us that? Yes. We don't ask kids that anymore. I don't know. But Sometimes I used to say, I want to be the Avon lady. Like, I wanted to be a lot of things, yeah. weird things. Yeah. I wanted to be I wanted to be the lady that worked in the little Kodak booth because that little house, remember the Kodak freestanding yeah, Kodak yeah. booths and you drive up and give them your and film? And now they're all keys. 
they converted all those photo booths to oh to key yeah key key trophy places yes yeah i wanted to work because i thought it would be really cool to work in that little house hide out i wanted to be a waitress these were all when i was really 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 young and then i grew out of it thankfully yeah yeah okay if you were a flavor what would you be Mm, no No. i'd be something sugary sweet but yet something spicy it has a like a spicy after effect I know. Kind of like my milk duds. Yeah. Hot tamale. Yeah. It's like a combo. Yeah. A little spicy sweet. Yeah. That's my flavor. Okay. Spicy sweet. Okay. What is something, this is the last question. Okay. Besides the very last one. Oh, no. What is something people wouldn't believe about you? Wouldn't believe about me. Hmm. I don't know. That's a good one. I think they, I don't think people know about like certain things about me because I don't really, like I grew up, um, I have Hawaiian heritage, but no one really knows that about me. And I had a Hawaiian, I have a Hawaiian name. My grandmother gave it to me. My grandmother was half Hawaiian. Well, she was a quarter Hawaiian actually. So I had a very, uh, I, oh, I was a hula dancer and a Tahitian dancer. And I did that while I was playing softball. And she was Miss El Cajon. Yeah, I was she almost was... Miss San Diego a couple Ooh. times. That was when I was like, in, I was into pageants for like a nanosecond. And then I was like, okay, I'm done with that. It was just fun. I met two of my best friends okay. through it. Okay. Yeah. All right. You ask everyone this. Mm-hmm. Not everyone. I, I sometimes forget to ask. <laughs> I know. What does she's a 10 mean to you? Mm. A she's a 10 to me is a woman who is living her best life as she knows how and always looking to seek new opportunities or take on, expand her horizons and is willing to just try new things, but really loving herself as she is in the meantime. I love it. You know what? That's hey, the first I time she's got, she got an applause. I feel so special. All right. We've had a busy day. We have had a very busy day. We've been recording since yeah. 1045 this morning. I think we need to go do f- fireball shots. I know, because this is going to come out on a Monday, but just so you know, it's Friday. It's Friday, baby. Yeah. I'm ready for a shot or something, something. I got, I got fucking Kim Kelly tomorrow (laughs) and your comment. I know I'm missing a tournament. I just got invited to a pickleball tournament. I'm going to have yeah. to miss. So we had, if you haven't listened to her episode, she was a little spitfire and somehow convinced us to go try her class. She so, better promise not to video us. Well, no, she is videoing. We'll, <laughs> we'll make sure we, you know. That I'm not in it. <laughs> that you're not in it. And yeah, we're going to get, we're going to get raked over the coals with, with one of our recurring guests, yes. host Michelle Lesher. Yes, she's joining yeah. us. So it's going to be the, we're, it's going to be the perfect trifecta. And what Michelle and I have said is that we hope it's not the studio version of the hike. But oh. I, I think we should bring bubbles and journals <laughs> just in case. <laughs> just in case. All right. You want to end right. on a little song? Yeah, sure. Okay. Okay. So I asked Lisa's daughters who 
also engage with the husband on what would be a really great song for us to close on Mm -hmm. that maybe I didn't know about that was sentimental. And we got crazy. Mm -hmm. That's because I always sing that song. Because she sings it beautifully. I've I've seen Mm -hmm. her sing it live and it's something else. But I wasn't feeling that today. Mm -hmm. And then her youngest daughter told her middle daughter, Taylor Swift. And I'm like, cool, rad, because she loves Taylor Swift. I love Taylor Swift because my girls and I, that's our, we bond over Taylor. She is... I find her to be, I would like be so proud that she was my daughter. She's such a badass. I mean, she's such a bright, amazing young woman. Uh, besides the fact that she's. And she seems to genuinely want to convey a positive message. To she girls. does. Yeah. She does. And um, so I really, really love her as a person and um, that my g- girls love following her because I was thought if there's somebody that they could look up to I mean I just think she's a pretty rad kid kid Jesus and um so I just got into it with them from very the very beginnings since her first album and we've just been a fan a family fan of Taylor forever well we're in for a treat then oh, and I hey. had carte blanche they gave me a couple songs but then you just went rogue. I went rogue. I okay. did. And so we're going to do Shake It Off because oh. I felt like, you know, there's days where us as she's a 10 times fives, we mm-hmm. can get down on ourselves or others mm-hmm. can get on us. And uh, But I love that. Day. Just shake it off. Just shake it off. And you know, like, what well, we got baby. cooking, baby? <laughs> get out of the kitchen. That's right. That's right. Okay. That's right. Okay, baby, let's shake it off. Hey, let's shake it off. I've already shook off a couple things. (laughs) You got to be able to shake shit off. Can't stop, won't stop grooving. It's like I got this music in my mind saying it's going to be all right. Because the players on to play, 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 play. And the haters on to hate, 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 hate. I'm just going to shake, 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 shake. Shake it off. Taylor. We did Marvin Gaye earlier and now we did Taylor. I right. love it. And we hope you enjoyed Miss Lisa. Yeah, that was fun. That was fun. It was fun. I always love to hear your story. Thank you. I do. Thank okay. You. All right. Peace All out, right. baby. Bye. Follow us on Instagram at she's a 10 times five. Click on the link in our bio to listen. You can also find us on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to hit subscribe. 